Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. In today's episode, we get the chance to chat with Luis Scott. He is the founder of Eight Figure Firm Consulting. He consults with uh, attorney entrepreneurs primarily, has a ton of business and entrepreneurial knowledge, a lot of just life knowledge. He's been through a lot. Um, we scratched the surface on his health adversity that he's, he went through uh, with regard to becoming a trying to become a professional baseball player. We, we talk about how he went through a divorce and how he had eight business failures along the way. And we dive into several of those business failures, how he had a partnership that went uh, kind of the wrong way. And um, man, this guy is a ton of knowledge, uh, a wealth of knowledge. He absolutely brings it on this. This was a very easy interview for me, quite honestly, because he's very well-spoken, very articulate, and and just super knowledgeable. You're going to get a lot out of this. He, he This guy is all about growth. He's a... Uh, he he absolutely brings it, no question. He is the author of It Has to Hurt, uh, which is all about valuable lessons learned from painful experiences. Um, the guy went from bankruptcy to millionaire status within three years. So an incredible growth story, incredible story of resilience. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy this one for sure. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm thrilled today to have with us Luis Scott. Luis is the founder of Eight Figure Firm Consulting. A, he's a successful entrepreneur and an author uh, of a book called It Has to Hurt, which I think is going to be perfect to talk about on our show 
from adversity to abundance. Luis, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. I'm pumped about this one. It's This is going to be a fun chat. Uh, I know we we got to know each other a little bit before we hit record, and I'm, I'm confident the, the listener is going to love getting to know you as well. So Luis, uh, dive in a little bit more for, for a short period of time. Who are you today and what are you up to? Yeah, so today I'm uh, I'm the founder and CEO of A Figure Firm Consulting, and I help law firms and really just general entrepreneurs uh, grow their businesses, scale to 10 million. We have uh, a program where we help people go from one to 10 million uh, in five years or less. And my passion is helping other entrepreneurs make impacts in their community. And so uh, that's after 20 years of being in the legal industry and being a lawyer for uh, over a decade and a half. Uh, I've decided to put my efforts now in helping other people grow their business. That's awesome. I uh, I hired a, a business coach uh, earlier in 2023, and he's a, a retired lawyer, if you will, <laughs> former <laughs> lawyer, and and he's uh, I think it's probably a different different model, but he's he's very much focused on helping the entrepreneur, and he's been a huge impact for me. So. I love that. I love that whole uh, approach. That's awesome. So I know we're going to dive in more later as far as who you serve in particular, who your your ideal client is, who you really like to work with. But before we get there, let's jump into your backstory. Um, like we talked about before we hit record on this show, we tend to focus on financial adversity, health adversity, and or relationship adversity. We've we've certainly checked all three boxes on the show in, in prior episodes. And I know you've dealt with all three of those elements and th- those types of adversity in your life. Let's briefly kind of recap for the listener. Um, how have you dealt with adversity? What types of adversity specifically have you dealt with in all three of those categories? You know, it's funny because when you say that uh, you deal with health adversity, relationship adversity, financial adversity. I, I feel like I, I'm I'm like the ideal poster child for those three things because <laughs> I've had all three of them in my life. But you know, earlier in my in my life, in my early 20s, I wanted to play professional baseball. My dad was a professional baseball uh, athlete. He he got to double A ball. So I thought I had the pedigree. I thought I could I could make it. I went to division one, but I kept getting injured and um I injured my ACL multiple times, uh, had to have surgery tore my hamstring tendon. Uh, I mean, it was all kinds of injury. It was as if somebody was telling me, you're not going to go pro, okay? Like this is not yeah. your journey. So dealing with that was very tough because that was my sure. love and passion. You know, yeah. as a young kid, you have a much more difficult time kind of uh, overcoming those kind of things. Uh, Absolutely. And a lot of mentors who helped me with that. So that was that was my I just, I just Just very briefly before we move on. Yeah. Um, you know, I I was a collegiate athlete as well. And, and um lacrosse was my sport and uh it's not an episode about me and i've talked about this before on on prior episodes but you know some people may may not totally be able to relate i can completely relate i mean it's it's just you know the injury piece is so so much out of your control Mm -hmm. and when especially multiple injuries over and over it's like you know it it just it, it can absolutely rock you at that age when that's your entire focus that's your identity at that point really i mean i, I don't want to presume i i don't know everything about mm. the context at that time for you but it can be so much more than just a torn acl you know it's 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 it just absolutely rocks your entire your your entire life your entire uh mental and emotional state so um before we move on any anything any lessons you learned from from dealing with that uh, that type of adversity, 
I mean, the, the biggest lesson that I learned is that uh, we all heal at least emotional, emotionally, right? And mm-hmm. um, I never thought I'd be able to overcome that. In fact, mm-hmm. it was so traumatizing that those injuries that I did not watch baseball for 10 years. I, I wow. could not I could not go to a game. I could not watch it on TV because every time I went and I smelled the fresh cut grass, it reminded yeah. me of a past I was no longer going to have. Mm-hmm. And as young as I may, may think I am, I, I can't play the game of baseball like I used to when I was 19, 20 years old. Sure. And so that was really, that, that was hard for me. And what what I learned is I, as I overcame that, yeah, everything you can overcome everything. If if mm. if you are willing to see the the bright side of things, if you're willing to see the silver lining and things, you can overcome everything. And so that was a really big lesson because sure. I then continued to have other failures from which I borrowed that lesson, mm. right? Yeah. And, and that helped me through through my professional career. Yeah, as well. absolutely. And and I'm excited for, and, and we were joking before we hit record that, oh, that's great that you've been through all this adversity, Luis. This is fantastic. <laughs> you know, no, that's not great in and of itself, but it is great that you learned and took away from, took lessons from those, uh, that adversity and that the listener can take away from your story and your hardship as well. Um, so, okay. You check the, check the health and physical box. Uh, what's next? So then I I've uh, got divorced. So relationships, um, you know, relationships are hard. And and I got married very young. I was in my early twenties, basically just graduated college and got married. And um, and I I, I wasn't equipped to handle uh, the relationship. And so mm-hmm. um, I got divorced, and that was a very painful thing. And and sure. it was painful for for me. It was painful for her. And fortunately, today we're we're on good terms. And and um, and we're able to communicate, you know, very effectively about our, our kids and so forth. But that yeah. was a very difficult thing. And I think what I learned in that moment was transparency and vulnerability. I had a really mm-hmm. hard time with both those concepts. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't I, I wanted to be the guy who was polished, who who never had any mm-hmm. problems, who was just everything was fine. And mm-hmm. uh, how are things fine? And, and, you know, how's the relationship? Fine. Everything's good. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. But inside, it wasn't good, and um, and I learned through this that that there's actual power in being transparent. There's actual mm. power in being vulnerable. You become more relatable. It's easier to communicate. It's easier for you to have a solid relationship built on trust. And so that mm-hmm. was a massive lesson for me coming yeah. out of that. That's really good. So, and just to drill down before we move on again, the you're talking about being vulnerable and transparent with your spouse, right? In particular. Um, not so much from the outside looking into your relationship, but internally dealing with with your partner, I, right? I, absolutely. I mean, you know, with my spouse, but also with yeah. with people, right? Like if, mm. if you have friends, I, I remember when I was going through the divorce and friends were like, why didn't you tell me, man? Why didn't mm. you tell me you were suffering? Why didn't you tell me that things weren't good? We could have we could have done something. We could have, you know, given you a, a counselor. We could have prayed for you. We could have uh, supported sure. you, we, you know, and they they just didn't have any clue that we, that we were going through that. Yeah. No, that's good. Good. uh, Thank you for being transparent and vulnerable now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, and there's a, there's a fine line there because it's like, you know, just, uh, just with any, any close relationship, you know um, you can go the other extreme too, where it's like, you're super just focused on your, on sharing all of your problems with your spouse all day long. That's not good either because you're going to drag that person down, you know? So um, I think, I think unfortunately a lot of people can, can relate to 
going through a divorce or certainly going through, you know, tough times in a, in a marriage or, or close relationship, romantic relationship like that. Um, so, so you were able to, in a sense, put that behind you. Sounds like you're still in good terms, the two of you. And, and, um, you've learned from that to, to open up and be vulnerable and transparent with others. And sounds like you've been able to develop closer relationships because you went through that adversity. Is that, is that fair to say? Absolutely. And, you know, there's a book called Radical Candor. And I feel like what I took out of that experience and reading that book was that it's okay to be completely candid with people. Now, it's not okay, you know, to be a jerk. It's not okay, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, to, to mistreat people. But it's right. okay if you have a business to tell your employees how they're performing. It's yeah. okay to let your your friends know if they've crossed a boundary. It's okay to let your spouse or relationship uh partner know that mm -hmm. listen that's not an acceptable thing for me it's okay to sure. do that and to yeah. stand that ground and so to me that was a powerful lesson that's that's great that's really good it's it's uh yeah you're right it, there's, it doesn't mean you go around telling everybody every thought you've ever had about them you know <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not that's not the point here but yeah. but absolutely be be honest and upfront when you need to be right um mm -hmm. so that that's really good so you mentioned uh being open and honest with em employees or uh team members in a in a business let's go there i know you've had some some real hardship with some some businesses you've started um and this is a show for entrepreneurs and uh unfortunately um, with social media and you know i get i get why this happens but unfortunately we're so exposed to all the success and, 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 uh, just, it may look from the outside that every entrepreneur is a successful entrepreneur and that every business they've ever started has just been a home run. Yeah. And you and I both know it's not that easy. It's really challenging and entrepreneurship, honestly, in my opinion, is not for everyone. Um, but it, it, it the pain is typically worth it. So I love to dive into, you know, your, your story and your, your, the businesses you've started and that have failed. Um, and obviously we, we want to focus as well on the successful ones and the one you're working in now that you're, you're doing very well with. Um, but let's talk about what, what's, uh, which one do you want to start with? I know you've had several failed businesses. Where do we want to start? <laughs> I mean, you know, I could start from the beginning because, sure. uh, every single one of these failed businesses actually taught me a lesson. And, and here's one of the things that I think entrepreneurs need to understand. The reason that social media paints this picture of glorious, you know, mountaintop type of experiences for entrepreneurs is because we only see the entrepreneurs that are succeeding. See, people see Luis today and they go, Luis is a, an eight figure business owner, um, high net worth kind of guy. So therefore his business succeeded, but they don't count the other eight that did not succeed. See, mm -hmm. I was a failure until I was a success. And what happens is that we never hear about the, the failures. People don't go on social media and start a motivational Instagram handle to talk about every failure that they have. And so we, we see things through the lens of survivorship bias. It's no different than when you see that meme, uh, Bill Gates started in a garage, Apple started in a right. garage, Amazon right. started in a garage. Do you know how many things have started in a garage that didn't pan out? <laughs> yeah. Thousands, millions of point. people who started Excellent in a garage point. didn't pan out. The only reason we glorify Apple, the only reason we glorify Amazon is because they survived. That's they right. survived. You know, when, when I hear uh, uh, consultants go on and say, you don't need to go to college. You don't need any education. Right. You just do, do, do. It's because you survived. Most people cannot survive without getting educated and growing themselves and so forth. So for so me, true. it started at the beginning. And um, my my first failed business was uh, trying to sell vitamins online. 
Okay. I was okay. I'm not a doctor. I have no yeah. medical degree. Yeah, My yeah. major in, in, in undergrad was, was accounting, but I thought it would be easy to do some drop shipping, ship some, some vitamins to people. Everybody needs to be healthy. And you do mm -hmm. that. That didn't work out. So give, give us just how old were you? What year was this? And, and I'm curious if this was, you know, you know, your, your interest in supplements and vitamins from your athletic background is that a is that a good guess? Yeah, so I I got I got convinced like you're an athlete, you're going to be able to push this. Go ahead and you know you get a website, you start you know uh, selling some some vitamins, and uh, it's going to be easy. It's this is going to be the easiest thing. People are going to believe mm -hmm. you. You have a six pack. They're going to know. Right? <laughs> that was the last time I had a six pack, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. So that that's why I got into it, and I was I was 21 at the time, and I had mm -hmm. no capital to back me up. I had no business. Uh, uh, experience whatsoever. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't know how to set up anything. And and so it was, it was a failure. And, and I wasn't even, I didn't have the confidence to sell either. That was the thing. I was like, mm -hmm. how am I going to sell? I don't even, I can't even approach anybody right now with any mm -hmm. confidence because I don't really understand the science behind these vitamins. So mm -hmm. my lessons from that particular business uh, mm -hmm. were uh, educate yourself on the product, be passionate about it and uh, make sure that you have the confidence to sell. If you don't have those mm -hmm. three things, if you don't have the education, if you don't believe in it, if you're not passionate about it and you don't know, yeah. you don't have the confidence, you're not going to sell anything. Absolutely. And I, and I think a lot of people get, I think sales and marketing just get a bad, bad rap in general. Mm -hmm. And it's the reality is if, if you believe in your product, you should be selling it. You should be mm -hmm. out there marketing it. You should be promoting 100%. it if, if you genuinely believe in it. And yeah. if you understand it, like you said, because it's going to help people. Right. Yep. So um, nothing wrong with learning sales and marketing. It's a, critical piece to entrepreneurship for sure. Um, so in the end, what, what did that look like as far as just when you walked away, like how much, you know, time or, or capital did you quote unquote waste? Uh, I wasted, like? I, I wasted, right. Cause I, and I love yeah. how you, how you, how you yeah. phrase that. Air I quotes. We, we, yeah. Right. And, and uh, probably about a year to a year and a half and gotcha. somewhere around 10 to $15,000. Got it. Um, Which at that time, and you know, I can speak for myself, that would be a big deal, you know. It's a, it was uh, a very big deal. That that yeah. started me, that started me down the rabbit hole of debt, you know, mm -hmm. gotcha. um, because I, I didn't have the the cash to do it. I was working sure. three jobs trying to you know sell these this product, and mm -hmm. I didn't have the cash to do it. And so, yeah. Stuff. So now, before we move on to the uh, next uh, example of of a, a difficult business you've you've uh, started. Um, what would you say to the entrepreneur or let's rather the budding entrepreneur out there, you know, maybe they are 20, 21 and they are about to leave college or they just started a job or something in early twenties. Should you just jump in uh, and be, and start a business? Should you start a side hustle? I get it. Every situation is different. And that, that is the, the true answer. Yeah. Um, but what would you say to someone, a piece of advice or two uh, for someone in, a similar situation. Okay. So when you think about the, the fact that less than 5% of businesses ever make a million dollars in revenue, when you just mm -hmm. think of that, let's mm -hmm. use that percentage. 5% of 20 year olds will have successful businesses. 5% of 21 year olds will have successful business. So let's just, let's just assume mm -hmm. and project that percentage on every single age bracket. Mm -hmm. Assuming that percentage, we don't know which one's going to be the 5%. We mm -hmm. just don't know. And so you have to ask yourself, do I have enough experience, confidence, and belief in what I'm doing mm -hmm. to lead myself to the point of being one of the 5%? Most people don't, right? Because 95% are going to fail. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. so if I had to give a blanket uh, suggestion yeah. across the board from 20 to, yeah. to 30, I would say spend all your time learning as much as you can. Spend all your time mm -hmm. learning as much as you can. And, really and, and I think that if you do that, you're going to be much more prepared in your 30s. And one of the one of the uh, misconceptions about people is that they're falling behind in life. They think, mm. well, if I don't start early, then I'm not going to get there. There's nothing that says you can't have my story, which is failure after failure after failure after failure. And then at 38, you become a millionaire. Like it took me that long. Mm. It, it, you know, and it, it just took me that long. And yeah. so this idea that if I don't make a hundred thousand in year one, a two hundred thousand in year two, three hundred, it doesn't work like that. I actually right. went. I went from bankruptcy to millionaire status in three years. And wow. so it, it, it's, it, there's, there's a quantum leap that happens when it all begins to click, when it all begins yeah. to click. And so well, educate yourself. And what is the, uh, the saying? In your 20s, you learn. In your 30s, you burn. In your mm -hmm. 40s, you earn. Earn. Yeah, that's right. No, and there's, you know, there are a lot of examples of people who have hit their major uh, their their quote unquote overnight success right. in their 50s and 60s and um, that's really, really good advice. I love, I love the fact it, it's very easy to, to forget that growth can happen very quickly too. It's, it's very easy for us to think like, yes, I mean, obviously compounding is huge and time is a big, big factor. Um, and having a long-term approach I, I think is critical, but that doesn't mean you can't scale things very quickly and recover like you have shown very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think sometimes, at least for, I'll speak for myself, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day and to think, oh, I'm trying to get, you know, 0.1% better than yesterday, but maybe it's 10% better. Maybe it's an explosive year this year, you know, because so, that that obviously happens. Um, so walk us through, how did you recover from that? I mean, a year and a half, you said it started to put you down a a, a path of, of debt. Um, how did, what, what happened after that? So I won't say that I recovered from that immediately. It mm -hmm. took a really long time because I then started other businesses and, and, and not to get into every detail of every business, but I started sure. a, a penny auction site. Uh, I then tried to get, uh, then I tried to, to sell another vitamin. Some guy, he introduced me to another vitamin out of Salt Lake city. We were trying to get a contract and get some celebrities to sponsor it. We spent tens of thousands on that, that failed. Uh, and then I had a friend of mine who told me that he had found this product that you spray it on corn and it yields like three times the, the amount of corn. So we went down to LSU. We tried to get them because there's there's a lot of, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was corn. Down, we went to LSU. I can't remember if it was sugar cane or corn. It may have mm -hmm. been sugar cane. Either way, we go down mm -hmm. to LSU where they do a lot of this crop and got their scientists to do it. Spent months and months and months, thousands of dollars on this research. Comes back that the product was didn't didn't work and then uh so so that didn't work for me and and um and i just kept trying to start different things i started a an, a political news aggregator website that didn't mm. work. that that i wasted money on that thing um and so I, it took me a while to recover because i kept trying things after after thing mm -hmm. then by the way going back to my to my divorce that was putting a strain on the relationship because i'm mm. i'm 10,000 yeah. 60,000 70,000 80,000 in the hole and right. i'm trying to convince you know, yeah. her that this is, I'm going to, it's going to work one day. Right. Trust me. You know, yeah. trust yeah. me. It's going to work. Um, yeah. But I, I trusted you the first four times, Louise. But, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but I never, this is the thing. I never stopped trying and I never stopped mm -hmm. learning. So I went to mm -hmm. law school in the middle of doing all these businesses. So I'm working, I'm doing the side hustle uh, and, and then I'm going to law school. And part mm -hmm. of my lesson is 
you know, if you're going to go for something, go for it. Don't, don't do it as a side hustle. Mm -hmm. A lot of times uh, as a side hustle, you don't put enough time, mm -hmm. energy, you know, that the sweat equity in it. And yeah. people underestimate the amount of sweat equity that is required to be an entrepreneur. That's that's very, very true. And uh, just the focus is critical. And it, there are tons of average businesses out there, and most of them probably end up in the 95% you already referred to, right? So if you're going to be average, you're probably not going to make it. So you really need that that focus. And if you try to do 17 side hustles, it's, it's not going to work. Yes. <laughs> um, so what, I guess looking, you know, when you were, let's, let's say just for a minute, when you were 20 years old, did you know for sure you were going to be an entrepreneur? Did you never think about getting it? I know you did work jobs, but I'm saying like long-term, did you just know early on, I'm a business owner. That's who I am. I was 11 years old when I, when I decided I was going to be rich. Okay. Um, I, I grew up in a very uh, modest, maybe lower income income home. I, I grew up mm -hmm. in, in Puerto Rico. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot mm -hmm. of money. I felt embarrassed that we would go to 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 school in clothes that was bought in secondhand stores. It was bought mm -hmm. in WalMarts, and and mm -hmm. uh, I felt like people made fun of me because I was more more of the poor kid. Uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money, and I remember thinking to myself, one day I'm going to take care of my family. One day I'm going to take care. Uh, everything's going to change on my family tree, and I. And I was 11 years old when I had that first mm -hmm. memory. And, um, and, and so I knew from a very early age, I was going to be rich period. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't matter what it, what it took. And, it. and anybody who knows me knows that I am, I will work 20 hour days, seven days a week to accomplish what I want because mm -hmm. it's, it's that important to me. That's, that's, it's really good. I mean, cause there's so many, you know, so many people think it's, you know, oh, must be nice to be Luis. You know, it's like <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, it is nice to to, to be wealthy now, and you know, I'm sure there a lot of you're reaping the the benefits to the hard work you've put in. But it, I don't think it's been easy to get here. Um, well, let me so, tell you one, one one story about about easy. Yeah. I was um, I was up till three thirty in the morning last night um, using technology to edit videos because. Uh, I'm I'm on um, I've set a goal to to release 200 pieces of content per month. And last night, uh, using a, a, a open Opus.io, which is mm -hmm. an editing software, I edited 54 videos in an hour. Like I'm already rich, wow. and I'm up at 3:30 in the morning, <laughs> right? So like it, you got to have a drive that surpasses yeah. circumstance. And so if you want to be an entrepreneur, like if you want that life that's on social media, the private jet, first class travel, the nice cars, the multiple houses and so forth, um, it, you got to be willing to be so passionate about something that that time is just merely it's, it's just merely there. It's not even a constraint. Mm -hmm. There's enough time in the day. Um, I, I, I sleep when I get tired and when I'm not tired, I'm working or with the family. And that's what it takes to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, so talk to us about the, I know you've had at least one other failed business and, and maybe even a failed partnership or two. Um, can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So I had a, I had a business partnership um, with, uh, with my first law firm and uh, it, after being there 15 years, we were partners for four, for four years, the partnership fell apart. And what I learned from there is that alignment is critical if you're going to be in a partnership. So if there's an entrepreneur mm -hmm. out there who is looking to be in business with a, with a friend, right? Quote unquote, mm -hmm. a friend, 
or looking to be in business with, with a partner, you really need to ask yourself, are we aligned? Do we have the same ambition, work ethic, goals, uh, future outlook, same uh, perspective about, about life? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that we're building for? Because what, what ends up happening with partners is every partner has a different degree of success that they believe to be their their goal, right? So one partner may want to make a million a year. One partner may want, may be happy with 500000 a year. And mm-hmm. what ends up happening is when the partner who's making 500000 a year gets there, he starts mm-hmm. going to play golf. He starts going to play mm-hmm. tennis. He starts mm-hmm. uh, only coming in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He stops uh, working as hard because because he got to his 500000 And the other one's like, I want to make a million. And that's mm-hmm. what happened with me is that in my in my previous partnership, I wanted our business to make millions for for us, and I had partners that were very comfortable making three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. Which don't get me wrong, is good money, but that was not my ambition. My ambition was much higher. You Mm -hmm. know, I wanted to make multiple millions per year, and so uh, we just didn't have the same drive. And um, uh, great guys, by the way, they taught me a Mm -hmm. lot, and I have nothing negative to say about them personally. But just we were just misaligned. We were just so. You know, it, it just how do you do that? Because you know, it is hard. Just like a marriage, it's it's hard to know. I mean, things change too. People change, mm-hmm. and four years is not. You know, that's a fairly long time. It's it's not it's not four weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So, what advice in particular? I know you said be aligned with your goals, and and it sounds like work ethic as well. Anything else, tactically speaking, that you could tell an entrepreneur out there who's thinking about getting into a partnership? Um, hire, how should hire. they approach this? Yeah, hire an amazing lawyer to write an absolutely amazing out clause in your operating agreement. Mm. Out clause is where you agree in the mm-hmm. event either one of you become misaligned, that mm-hmm. you have a conversation, mm-hmm. and that conversation will lead to a division of the partnership in a very systematic way. That's the best yeah. way. We didn't have that at the time. Gotcha. And so if you have a partnership, you know, you, you could have something as bare bones as in the event that we become misaligned, mm-hmm. we will have a conversation about it. We will use the following mediator or mediation company. That mediation company will help us assess the value of the business. We'll separate and everybody will go on their own way and we'll mm-hmm. end as well. Yeah. And I think that that's really, really critical because without that, you end up fighting about everything just like in a marriage. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you can, I guess some people might argue, well, does that set you up for failure because you're focused on splitting up? But the reality is, you know, in an ideal world, you never have to actually even visit that clause, right? You mm-hmm. never even have to enforce or, or discuss that, but, and the partnership goes perfectly, but, but in reality, most partnerships do end at some point, right? Um, whether, you know, and, and hopefully oftentimes that is on good terms, but that makes total sense is, is think a little bit further ahead, spend the extra couple dollars to, to hire a good attorney mm-hmm. to, and it's not just, you're not only protecting yourself, you're protecting the whole partnership and, and it's, uh, so that that's that's really good. So, um, awesome. Well, before we get to my our rapid fire questions here, Luis, um, talk more about your business today and and your ideal client and your avatar of who you work with and who you like to serve. You mentioned it earlier. Um, mm-hmm. What does that person or business look like? And and really, how do you how do you add value to them? So when I when I uh, open a figure firm consulting, the uh, ideal client was was a law firm that was generating already. $1 million in revenue and had an ambitious goal of hitting 10 million in revenue. The small business administration says that, that only one out of 666 companies 
that starts in any given day, any given year, will actually get to 10 million in revenue. So if, if 667 companies started today, only mm -hmm. one of those would get to 10 million in revenue. And so I, I told myself, I'm going to help law firms get to 10 million in revenue because the average law firm earns 500,000. And I, I wanted that big audacious goal, right? I'm going to mm -hmm. help people do this. I didn't know if I could help people do this. I had done it myself personally. We had mm -hmm. gone into the multiple eight figures and uh, I wasn't really sure if I, if, if my system worked for people. And mm -hmm. so I started working and coaching people while I was still the, uh, the, the, the COO of a, of a mm -hmm. law firm which now left to pursue eight figure firm full time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the system worked and we've now helped 25 law firms reach eight figures in, in predictable revenue. Mm -hmm. So we wow. want we want to work with law firm owners who are highly ambitious, entrepreneur in nature, mm -hmm. want to create a legacy for themselves, not just a financial legacy, but a legacy of care and support in the legal community that they serve. And so for me, when I think about what we've done as a consulting group and the fact that we've helped 100, almost 150 law firms now who, who helped 50,000 clients nationwide last year. To me, that's leaving a legacy. And so one of our taglines is your legacy awaits. And so we're looking for people who are really committed to their legacy and who want to grow from one to 10 million in five years or less. Hmm. So what do you say to the uh, the critic out there who, uh, because there are a lot of these critics out there uh, who are anti-coaching, anti-consultant, who, who question anybody who makes most of their own revenue or their own income from coaching, from not actually doing the business. What would you say to that person? Um, I would say I've already done it. I've built three firms to seven figures and one to almost 40 million. So I'm not coming from this I, this theory. I'm coming from practice. I'm not a yeah. coach. I'm a consultant. I've already done it. Sure. I've built it already. So, I mean, yeah. I don't, I have the street cred. Uh, and, yeah. and it would be like, it would be like telling, you know, a major league baseball coach, you mm -hmm. can't coach me because you can't currently play baseball. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, really I'm not currently good. building a law firm, but I built a law firm. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I can hang my hat on that. And to be fair, I I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, you know, it's like it's like saying Bill Belichick, you know, you're not as good as Tom Brady, so you can't coach Tom Brady. It's like that's ridiculous. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is one of the best coaches ever, if not the best football coach ever. So, and I'm not even a Patriots fan, but um, <laughs> it well, just. I mean, uh, think about Tiger yeah, Woods. Has has. Yeah. Did yeah. Tiger Woods ever have a coach that could outplay him? I don't think so. No, no. they're different <laughs> skill sets, but it, but yeah. I love the fact that you've proven that you can do it. So it's not, it's not just theory. Uh, it's very different than maybe a, a professor teaching a business course who's never actually run a business. Uh, you know, that so. feels, that feels a little bit, a little bit, uh, you know, one of those situations, but, but I want to, I want to point out one more thing. Mm -hmm. um, when I, work with law firms, some of the law firms I've worked with, uh, like I have a particular law firm out of North Carolina who had never gone beyond 5 million in revenue in 15 years, 15 years, never gone beyond 5 million in revenue in two years working with us hits 12 million in revenue. So wow. for anybody who says that coaching doesn't help, it's because yeah. they've found the right coach. Uh, that's, that's very good. So drill into that a little bit more, that case study. I mean, so what, what did you do? How did you help them? Um, could they have gotten there? without you, you know, what, what, how did you add value and what does that case study look like? So, so the, the history says they may not have gotten without me because they had already gone 15 years without right. reaching. Um, and, and this, the, the data doesn't support people reaching 10 million in revenue because again, one out of 667 actually mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. And the, the amount of law firms that are in 10 million in revenue is, is, is 
very small. It's like less than one percent of firms mm -hmm. actually reach ten million in revenue. But what we did is we diagnosed uh, three primary problems, and that was uh, a, a misunderstanding of the a marketing plan, what we what mm -hmm. we call a balanced marketing plan. Number one, mm -hmm. uh, underfunding their marketing was number two, and number three was a lack of leadership focus. And so we mm -hmm. worked on all three. We balanced their marketing plan. We spent the correct amount, which I have a very specific formula uh, that you need to spend. And the third thing is we started helping them develop leadership. And when you do all three of those things, talking mm -hmm. about that quantum leap, mm -hmm. it, it yeah. took very okay. short period of time to see that significant growth. Awesome. Um, yeah, it sounds like a lot of synergy happening all at once and then just explosive growth. So um, before the rapid fire questions, what, yeah. what does it look like if somebody, you know, what does your, does it vary based on the client or how does somebody, uh, how's the process work when they sign up with you? Yeah. So we have a tailored approach and it de depends on the client and we have people that come in in varying degrees of revenue, mm -hmm. but also various states of maturity of their business. And some people have leadership teams. Some people don't, some people have meeting cadence. Some people don't, some people have a yeah. fine mark, you know, so it depends. Sure. But when right. you come with us, we, we start with a discovery call. Then we go through what our, our first phase of our uh, consulting, which is setting the foundation. Mm -hmm. um, and we have, it's a three pillar system. It's a foundation intention transformation. We guide mm -hmm. people all the way through that, but we start based on where they are. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah. And, and so that's, sure. that's the way which is, I mean, it makes sense. And it, it, it doesn't saying it depends on, unfortunately, you know, it doesn't, isn't well marketed. It's not easy to, but, but the fact yeah. is a blanket approach typically doesn't work. So you're taking an approach that actually works. And I end up saying it depends as much as an attorney does when <laughs> I'll do mentorship with, you know, on, with uh, my mortgage note and real estate, you know, business. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what your goals are. I don't know what your experience is, you, you know, as a, as an investor, mm -hmm. I need to hear you and listen to you and assess first before I can give you a blanket solution. So that, that does make a lot of sense. Um, what is the, what, you know, the difference between a coach, consultant, mentor, these terms get thrown around a lot. Do you have any, yeah. anything you can add there as far as the clarifying what those uh, oh, role, the differences yeah, are? hundred percent. So uh, a, a mentor is usually an unpaid person who helps a person develop themselves personally. So that's usually a mentor sure. They're, they have no financial interest in your, in your um, well-being. They just want to sure. help. And so I mentor young kids. I give them the best advice that I can. I'm not making any money from them. So that's a mentor. You should have mm -hmm. a mentor. You should have somebody pouring into your life who wants the best for you without mm -hmm. any financial interest. Like if you don't have that type of friend or relationship, mm -hmm. you need to find one. The, the coach could be paid or unpaid, depends mm -hmm. on the coach. Some mm -hmm. coaches, they do it for free. Some coaches do it for cheap. Some coaches charge a premium, but a coach mm -hmm. is a person. It's more like a counselor. They're trying to help you reach a conclusion. They're, mm -hmm. they're positioning questions so that you can think about it, mm -hmm. that, so that you can kind of, you know, process what's going on, sure. provide you perspective and, and then give you an opportunity to come to your own conclusion. They're mm -hmm. generally not going to give a lot of suggestions, mm -hmm. but a consultant is a person who's been there, done that, and is going to tell you what to do. They're mm -hmm. a part of the team. They tell you what needs to happen. So I always tell people I'm a consultant. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't give suggestions. I tell you what you need to do. Now, <laughs> whether you do it or not, yeah, that's a different there, thing. There's a, yeah, there's certainly an element that's outside of your control of yeah. how the how the the person you're you're helping actually operates and whether they succeed or not. But that that's a very good, very well articulated uh 
breakdown for sure of the, the, those three different roles that people that I think are all, all have value in different ways in someone in, in a business owner's life. And uh, so that, yeah. that was really good. And I have all three, by the way, I have all three. Okay. I have a mentor. My dad's my mentor. He pours into nice. me, no financial interest. Uh, yeah. I have a coach and uh, she works with me on processing things that are happening personally and professionally, emotionally, mentally. And then I have a consultant who has built a $100 million consulting business mm. and is helping me build mine. Wow. So I have all three. Yeah. They're not cheap, uh, yeah. but they're so worth it. Really good. Awesome. Well, before we get out of here, got some rapid fire questions. Some of these end up not being so rapid fire sometimes, uh, but we'll see how, see how it goes. Okay. What is one thing that people misunderstand about you, Luis? I have RBF. And so people think that I'm a very serious, um, <laughs> uh, like, you know, yeah. when I'm not smiling, yeah. I'm serious and I'm unapproachable, but anybody who knows me knows that I'm mm. the most approachable guy. I love to give, um, I learned this from my dad. Uh, whenever I meet somebody, uh, they may bless me or I may bless them. And since I don't know their intention, I'm going to bless them. And so I spend a lot of my time just trying to give and bless them. And I think people misunderstand that, uh, many yeah. times. That's good. Um, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self some advice, what would it be? Relax, relax. It's all going to be fine. Just put in the work, <laughs> sure. put in the work and it'll all turn out. Okay. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself. Um, mm -hmm. I can, I can relate to that. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Ooh, my goodness. I'd love to have coffee with my dad's grandfather. Okay. Because my dad credits, he's not, I guess he's not a historical figure. No, that's, but it's, a, it's all good. My dad credits him as as giving him his faith. And when mm -hmm. I think about my dad and his faith and how he's mentored me in my mm -hmm. life, I would have loved to have known this man that he credits and I never met him. Yeah, I just read something on, on I think it was Twitter yesterday about the, the, um, the successful, humble entrepreneur, how they can look back and, and see the value in those who came before them. So um you just did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would that be? If you could only eat one meal, man, I, I would have said pizza for a long time, but I am on a taco. I mean, just okay. I, I, I steak tacos, but nice. you know, three tacos, small corn tortillas, onions yeah. and cilantro. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. All yeah those are so salsa. good. Yeah. Yeah. I could probably eat that awesome. every day. What is a challenge that you're facing today in your own business? Um, finding great people who genuinely care about clients and not just about making money in the coaching business. There are a lot of coaches who are in it for the money. They're in it mm -hmm. for pay me, pay me, pay me. And mm -hmm. they're not in it for the client. And I, I don't, I don't want to have that kind of business. Mm -hmm. And so finding those people is very hard. Uh, sure. but I am, I am resolute in only hiring people who care about clients. Love it. Um, What's one piece of advice you'd give someone who's starting out as a consultant? They've they've had a successful business already, but then now they're going into the consulting world. Uh, one one piece of advice: uh, create a system that you sell, package it, and make sure that the system works. <laughs> uh, so create a system. That's what I did. I, I I documented it in my first ebook, The Nine Principles of Exponential Growth, where I created my three pillar system, and that was the genesis and the foundation for everything that I've done over the last four years. And I think that that Fantastic. would be the most beneficial thing you can do. Really good. Uh, you've already recommended uh, one book and your, and we mentioned uh, your book and your ebook. What's mm -hmm. one other book you could recommend for our listener? 
I love to read. Um, I love the four agreements, uh, specifically the agreement number one, do not take anything personally. It's kept me out of all kinds of assumptions about what people's motives and intentions are. Uh, but the book that transformed me the most, which got me out of this idea that I had to worry about what people thought was Mark Manson's book uh, called mm. The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. That book yes, uh, completely transformed me. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. Awesome. Luis Scott, man, this has been really fun. This has been uh, honestly an easy, easy interview for me to do. Uh, you're really, you're really good at this. And um, I can tell you're adding a, a lot of value out there in the business world for sure. Um, what is one question that I haven't asked you that you wish I had? <laughs> that's a, that's a hard one to answer. Yes, uh, I, got I got him. I got you. Okay. <laughs> he, he, here's a question you haven't asked. And that is how long does it take to be, become successful? as an entrepreneur. Okay. And the answer is? The answer is, uh, it takes the amount of time that it takes for you to develop yourself into the person who is worthy of the business. Mm. And I think so good. spend yeah. more time developing yourself and you'll get there a lot faster. I think I, I just saw a, a Layla Hermosi uh, quote that was very similar that it ultimately it's okay. the character of the leader. I can't remember exactly what it was, but mm -hmm. the character of the leader that is the limiting factor in the business yes. itself. Um, yes. So that that's really good. Luis, where can our listeners find you online? So they can find me at luisscottjr.com. So it's L-U-I-S-S-C-O-T-T-J-R.com. All my links, social media, videos, my podcast, my book links, and Eight Figure Firm all on that website. Fantastic, my friend. This has been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. And I know our, our listeners have as well. So this is, this is really good. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And to our listener out there, thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.